So then, my beloved, even as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. So welcome back. I'm Brian, and this is my Bible study podcast. We're currently working through a series that I'm titling Worldly Hevel, Joy in Christ, a concurrent study of the books of Ecclesiastes and Philippians. These two books take different approaches but end at the same point. And forgive me today if I'm a little scatterbrained, I'm a little under the weather. Today we're covering two verses, Philippians chapter 2 verses 12 and 13. But we're going to be talking about some weighty topics, salvation, justification, sanctification, and how God works in us and through us to achieve his will and to glorify himself. We'll circle back to that theme that we've covered both in Philippians and Ecclesiastes, the idea of fear and trembling before God the Father and what God the Son has accomplished to provide a path for us to be saved, a path for us to be brought into a right relationship with God. So I pray that this passage would draw us closer to God, increase our desire to be obedient to him, and would help us to see the events and circumstances of our lives as unfolding under the sovereign authority of God, who wills in and works through Christians every day of our lives. So then, my beloved, even as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Philippians 2, the start of verse 12. So then is an opening that links directly to the previous passage. Paul can say what he is about to say because of the first part of Philippians chapter 2. Because of who Jesus is and what Jesus accomplished and the example that he set for us. Being found in human form, the beginning part of the chapter says, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, yes, the death of the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him, and gave to him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The so then, my beloved, he's telling us to live a certain way and to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, whether Paul is present or not, because of what he's just described. Paul is writing a cohesive letter, but he's doing it from a Roman prison cell. He knows that the church at Philippi was living well, and he had heard how they are living well now, and he takes time to implore that they continue on in this faith while he's not able to be present with them. In fact, he even tells them to do so much more in his absence. He's not there with them to disciple and mentor and rebuke and correct theology. They have his letters, their own community, and God working in them. And he's writing them in encouragement of that. And what is he encouraging the individuals in the church at Philippi towards? Well, the concluding response to who Jesus is and what he's accomplished is that we should strive forward together toward faithful obedience to God. The next section will make clear that we don't obey in order to be saved and that we don't obey because we're cowering and afraid of the Almighty, 
but rather we obey and we work out our salvation with fear and trembling out of reverence and awe at our Creator. It is the reverence and awe that a child displays toward a loving and nurturing father. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians 2, the end of verse 12. So first things first. The fear and the trembling portion is referring to reverence and awe more than shock and terror. John MacArthur notes that it involves a healthy fear of offending God and a righteous awe and respect for God. Okay, so now what is meant by the word salvation? David Platt reminds us that salvation involves a singular change event. The churchy word for that is justification. The moment that someone places their faith in Jesus and is saved is their moment of justification. But salvation also involves a lifelong journey too. The churchy word for that is sanctification, for God transforming believers to be more and more like him each and every day through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So we need the gospel to know Christ to come to our point of justification, and we need the gospel to grow in Christ, to be sanctified. And the gospel is what gets unpacked in the first part of chapter 2 that Christ humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, that he defeated death, that he was resurrected, that he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and that he will return again. So working out our salvation is not some call by Paul for a works-based salvation, independent of God. And we'll be reminded of that in the very next verse. Instead, this is a call to press in toward obedience, but to recognize God as the one who enables our desire for obedience. So we want to lean toward obedience, but we also want to recognize that that desire to be obedient, it comes from God. God is the one who directs our sense of good and bad. God is the one who causes us to push against our natural bend towards sin. We're supposed to take on this task with fear and trembling. We're not called to take obedience or disobedience for that matter lightly. The idea of fear and trembling and reverence and awe, it is one that is kind of underlined, like it's big bold letters, it's it's meant to be taken in as more than just a passing or fleeting thought toward obedience. It's a weighty thought of obedience. So remember, Paul is speaking to the entire church at Philippi. There is this corporate dimension for this task of obedience and accountability too. So not only is it weighty for us as individuals, but it should be weighty for us as a group, us as a church, us as small groups, us as a corporate body. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Philippians 2 verse 13. So Matthew Henry says that God's goodwill to us is the cause of his good work in us. So the NIV translates verse 13 as, It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So this is a continuation of working out our salvation, or the ongoing process of our sanctification, of God working in us to make us more and more like Christ. But the purpose of God transforming us is to fulfill God's purpose. We are made lights to the world to glorify God, not ourselves. 
1 Corinthians 12.6 says that there are various kinds of workings, but the same God who works all things in all. So God equips us with the ability to fight back sins so that in remembering the gospel, remembering what Jesus has accomplished, we can take that gospel to others. Matt Chandler, who has an interesting way with words sometimes, declares, The sin in you, it's natural. The good you do, it's supernatural. Always remember the gospel so that you don't forget that God will not expect something of you, that he won't both empower you to obey and forgive you for not obeying. I'll close the section with how the author of Hebrews closes his letter. So the book of Hebrews is a book that can be summed up in the single phrase, Jesus is greater than everything else. And on the final verses of the book, the NIV translation of Hebrews 13 verses 20 and 21 say, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Christ Jesus, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So thanks for listening. Unless otherwise noted, all Bible verses are from the World English Bible Translation, which is in the public domain. Next episode, we'll dive into Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Until then, though, I love y'all.